and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. And I'm Daryl Etherington. Every week, we review a new streaming show or movie. Um, over the last few weeks, we've also just been doing recaps of the latest episodes of House of the Dragon. And uh, partly because this is a busy period for us, uh, Daryl had some big life changes and we've also got Disrupt coming up. Uh, we're just going to be talking about the last two episodes of House of the Dragon or the latest two episodes of House of the Dragon, um, Driftmark and Lord of the Tides. Yes, that's right. So much hot D. Also, I don't know why I was being euphemistic. Daryl got married. I know. I was like, well, I was like, well, it's a euphemism. Maybe I should just leave it as one. And we'll a happy event change. listeners so you know don't be like oh god what happened today? <laughs> several were yeah. murdered it was the red one <laughs> <laughs> uh, um but yeah let's t- let's take them maybe one at a time at first um the episode we did not recap last week uh was driftmark and that is kind of an unusual i mean House of the Dragon overall has been more, I think, focused than Game of Thrones, which kind of just goes all over the map and with so many different characters. But this was the most focused of the episodes because it's really just the uh, Lady Lena's uh, funeral and the aftermath of that. And it basically all takes place in one location in a relatively limited period of time. Um, and is is a lot of it is kind of about... Um, Rhaenyra's marriage to Lenor and and kind of then the end of that marriage. What did we think of Driftmark? I I mean, so Driftmark and episode eight, which I forget what is called, but Lord I think that I thought episode seven was the best episode yet when I saw it. And then I saw episode eight and I thought it was the best episode yet. And it mm. seems clear now that we are in the you know i say this a lot not the home stretch i mean yeah the season's gonna end but i also think we have a set cast we are now in a timeline where things can happen kind of back to back oh you think we're out of time jump i don't think we're completely out of it i think that there will probably be some of that but at the very least i think all the pieces have been set on the table to where action can start happening a little bit more frequently in the real quote unquote timeline of events, as opposed to these really important moments that set the context for this, what we know to be a war, right? Like a civil war. So I think the civil war is upon us basically. Um, But Driftmark specifically, I think I really liked it because it feels this might be like blasphemous to say, but it feels very Game of Thronesy in terms of like if you think of the the kind of like important um, commentary or like synopsis on what Game of Thrones was was like a lot of action and dragons and sex, but the most important bit were the hushed conversations and dark rooms kind of thing, mm-hmm. and it feels like this episode really encapsulated that, like from that opening scene with everyone in the same place to that closing scene <laughs> or close to closing scene um, with the confrontation between Alice and Rhaenyra 
to kind of the conversations that happen in, in the midst of that and the moves that happen in the midst of that. And I prefer that. Like, I don't really need the bloody, gory battles. Right. You know, it's nice once a season or once every other season. But what really intrigues me is kind of Or the, when they're cutting all the penises off and showing you. I penis. don't need as much much of that. I'm no. good on a castration. Bit. You still need Basically, a bit. for life. I, I think yeah. I'm full up on all of that. <laughs> oh, okay. But I, all right. Yeah, I'm good to go for life now. But I do like the political conversations and maneuverings, even the stuff that's unsaid. Um, that's what's fun to me about this universe and i felt like driftmark was like that's what we're doing today yeah i think so i, so I, I it's interesting because i was just looking at the um just the like list of episodes and they audiences seem to agree with you jordan that these were the best i definitely think they were high quality but my thing that i've been realizing as i've been watching more of it is that i keep i, I think it's like just such a good such a well-made show that I enjoy watching it, but I'm also like totally, totally like, oh wait, I don't care about any of these people. You don't I still care don't about, care about any of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, there's no protagonist. There's not even really any villain. I guess that's like creatively prote- interesting that they are all kind of like they're good and evil and- at the same time. Yeah, except for the one guy who's like, oh, yeah, I'll kill my family and anybody else you tell me to <laughs> on command or whatever. But he wasn't even in these last two. Was he? he might, I think he was in Drift Very Mark, but briefly. I don't think he was in Lord of Ties. Yeah. I think that we're going to see, maybe I'm bleeding into episode eight, but I think Jace and Luke are two people that we will see as protagonists. They're clearly like mm. good boys, right, who want right. to have honor like whether or not they get anything interesting baked into their personality or are purely noble is another thing, but I think we'll root for them. And I think even though you don't really care, I think the world is rallying behind Rhaenyra and Damon. You don't like Matt huh. Smith, so that makes well, it harder for so you. So I've come but- around on that. I have to say grudgingly, I like enjoy him in this show. I really do. He's he's overcome my distaste for seeing him presented to me in a visual format in front of my eyeballs (laughs) he is great i mean he's owning it i think that there's whatever that scene was back in the day where he fought the crab feeder i realized that he had no lines right in that whole 10 minute scene and you're still like just a pantomime but you feel a lot of what he i mean he's going through a range of emotions and you're you're there with him for all of it i mean that's skill so yeah i agree i agree Matt Smith, you're, you're all right. decent books. I'm not going to say good books. You're well, in the neutral ones now, Matt Smith. Congratulations. <laughs> it's probably way too late to mention this, and hopefully everyone's figured this out already, but obviously this is going to be completely full of spoilers. We're assuming that you've already seen Oh, yeah. Come on. Don't Have you got no, this far? You can't. No, you're not listening. What do you, what's the matter with what you? What do you think but we're going to say? Please stay. Please stay. Please stick right. around. <laughs> um... <laughs> I, I do think it's noteworthy that everyone that Jordan mentioned as sympathetic characters, and, and I would agree that they are the most sympathetic characters on the show, um, are all by the end of episode eight, either married to or betrothed to relatives. Um, yeah. yeah, we're got we've got over incest a couple episodes ago, Anthony. Are you not with us? Yeah, this is more <laughs> distant incest. It's like this is getting better, not worse. Right? I, I think. It's to me. It's just an interesting marker of, you know, when we were talking about 
the, I think it was episode four, King of the Narrow Sea, and there's this sort of sexual encounter between between Rhaenyra and Daemon. And even though it doesn't go all the way, I think is very, very uncomfortable. Listen, um, listen, here's, here's where we make a big distinction. In that episode, Rhaenyra, the actress that plays Rhaenyra and Rhaenyra as a character is young as hell looks younger than my 15 year old stepdaughter mm. so any grown-ass man kissing or trying to have sex with a girl that young is going to be uncomfortable no matter what incest was just a layer we threw on top of what felt like pedophilia right. and the same yeah. was true for alicent and viserys in fact arguably more uncomfortable for me even though they had no relation so I think, I mean, for me, I kind of got over incest in Game of Thrones with Jamie and Cersei, because despite the fact that they were two awful people, I truly believed in their love for one another. Like, well, I yeah. rooted for their love. It's gross, but I did. You oh, you also rooted for both of them, like, individually, too. They were a really, really good, I would say, counterexample to what's happening, at least for me, this season. Where I'm like, I can't glue to any of these people, and those people were like despicable and and you still very glued to clear them. in specific ways, and totally. I, but like so endeared to them, and they seem so fleshed out and human. But and full. we probably like, weren't endeared to them in season one. To be fair, yeah, like we, yeah, well, not 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 especially not after the first episode. The first episode, you were like, wait, they murdered I think a these boy. People are bad. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait! You guys might be the villains. <laughs> But I think they pretty quickly developed some depth and character and I don't know, I think uh, reasons to endear. Like after the that, empathy for them comes later, in my opinion. But I mean, we don't need to get hung up on yeah, whatever. Yeah. The key is that we did have empathy or like, you know, we we chose to relate, maybe not relate, but side or with interest them or and, differentiation. There's something right. there's something about it, right? But yeah. But I to be fair, also the incest that's happening on the black side, which is Rhaenyra and Damon jace and uh one of damon's daughters and luke and one of damon's daughters which i guess kind of bleeds into um episode eight is actually more distant than Aegon and helena on the green side <laughs> those yeah. are actual full siblings right who are a couple right. years right. apart right so yeah and it, and again i i think to me it's not so much that oh i think it's terrible that this show has incest or that i like think these characters are terrible i just think it's it's worth commenting on and, and like pretty noteworthy how like quickly the show has sort of acclimated us to to that. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think it's also meant to be a tool to show that the Targaryens are um, exceptions to every rule in a lot of ways, right? Or like they see themselves that way. They see yeah. themselves that way. The the society has accepted that they are that way, right? And that right. like. If you were a Targaryen or really a Valyrian, because there's relation there too, right? Even Rhaenyra and Lenor were related. So uh, more distantly, but still. So I think there's the idea that like that is okay in this world. And the show said, figure it out, audience, because it's going to mm -hmm. be okay. You're going to yeah. get on board with it eventually. And there's a big difference between young actress Rhaenyra and older actress Rhaenyra and the chemistry between her and Damon feels a lot less icky to me. Yeah. Also, I mean, I think if you 
because arguably you could go back and say like oh yeah but i mean like why not just drop that all even if like uh rr martin insisted on it it's like why not just get rid of that to uncomplicate it but it loses so much if they're not there's it's it's so important that they're also doing this as like a way and like and it has historical basis it's like yeah like ancient or not ancient but like medieval and even much later like up until quite recent years we're very unfortunately with like, <laughs> yeah. we got to keep it in the family for reasons of security because if you think about it what was i i was just watching something and i was thinking about like how just terrifying it would be that like oh you're just a normal meat human and like you're in charge of this whole thing and it's like so tentative that all the way down like your grasp of power is just like I get. I guess I have it because all these people, people just think say that I it works it. and yeah. whatever. And like, yeah, like having to grip it, you would do anything you you could to keep a hold of it. I suppose, right? Including right. super tenuous, keeping it in the fan. Well, and I mean, that's actually I think one of my favorite speeches in Game of Thrones is is like, Varys uh, gives a speech about how power is is all about like perception, and um, right. I think that's definitely one of the major themes of, of both shows. Um, I, not to keep like picking on these characters, but I think it's also remarkable how sympathetic Damon has become when like three episodes ago we saw him murder his wife. Yeah, it's especially like- the one the thing that really got me about that was like his symp- his especially sympathetic turn is like he just kills somebody that we don't know or care about in order to not kill the person we do know or care about. It's like oh was, that was his virtuous move and you're like wait but he still just did kill another person but like that person was a trash person we don't care about so it's fine. so we're talking about in, in lord of the tides when he cuts off uh the the head of the guy who call, accuses uh Rhaenyra's sons of being bastards. or whatever no no i'm talking about when he um sets up uh what's his name to flee and live his oh yeah amazing gay lifestyle abroad or whatever <laughs> unencumbered Fabulous. yeah right. And then, but and then just is like, oh, sorry about this. Like, just yeah, kill some random extra. We have no idea yeah. who he killed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he could have yeah, just yeah. set her free, but probably not because she was less inclined because she wasn't yeah. trying to. But go the whole the your emotional thing for that was supposed to go like, oh, he's gonna he just killed her because they did trick you into thinking that like, oh, they're gonna kill him. Uh, he's gonna do it. He's such a he's such a heartless bastard. And then it's like, oh no, I set him up with like a bunch of money and sent him with his lover, and it's like. Oh, cool. He's he's sympathetic, and then you're like, wait, but he did kill that other guy, and we like, I know we don't know anything about him, but he's a human being that is also now dead, right? So I think like you you, it'll be interesting to rewatch, right? Like I'm sure when season two comes out, I'll sit down and I'll watch all of season one again because that's my style, and it'll be interesting whether or not Damon's early episode actions have the pleasure, I guess, or the comfort of. No, understanding his principles, because I think in the early episodes, his principles weren't as clear because it was just selfishness, basically, mm. like selfish recklessness is what it all looked like. Yeah. But now that we understand his priorities, his more evil actions feel backed up by those priorities rather than kind of like reckless, uninhibited id, you know? Right. So... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that the way I watch the show is sort of, I mean, we talked about this when we were talking about the movie Do Revenge, is that I watch it sort of in the kind of gossip girl mindset of just like normal morality doesn't apply. Yeah, right, right, This is like, you know, a different, you know, um, heightened world. um, And 
that uh, in the real world, the things that Damon has done, I would consider completely unforgivable. But in this fictional context, yeah. I can just roll with it. Well, even in their tiered society, it would be like, well, he just killed a what, like, surf a lord. of some kind, right? right. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, he kills what's his face too in episode eight. But oh I think, yeah, but that was great, and that was deserved. Right, all totally. that stuff I'm okay with. It's again that he yeah, like, that was really straight good. up murders his the wife line delivery he, was so good. He could keep his tongue. That was yeah, the best. and he cut the head off right at the tongue. That was yeah. good stuff. That was but I think stuff. Damon gets his sympathies from being so protective over Rhaenyra. Again, like we're meant, whether we like it or not, whether we like her or not, we're meant to align with Rhaenyra. That's just what the show is formatted for they can't they can't make me and he's protective of yeah. her, and he's protective of her kids and he yeah. loves his brother despite his actions as well and seeing who that, doesn't like, though i love his brother yeah. too well Especially i did after the last what an episode. arc in the last two episodes mm-hmm. for viserys let's get to viserys's arc and let's just talk about lord of the tides too because i think one of the things you guys were talking about the idea that each episode was like the best of the show and I definitely think that about Lord of the Tides. And in fact, up until this point, I mean, I've enjoyed the show, but there has been this feeling that it's essentially just rehashing Game of Thrones. And I'm kind of like, this is fine because I've seen all of Game of Thrones. I can watch this. It's entertaining. But this is not a show that like needs to exist in any way. It just feels kind of right. like more Game of Thrones. Um, and I think that the now, now that I've seen episode eight, the most compelling reason for why this show should be watched and enjoyed and appreciated on its own terms is um, Patty Considine's performance as Viserys. Like in, especially in episode eight, he, it is just, he fucking killed. He's so good. He's so heartbreaking. He's amazing and should win every award. He really should. I'm excited to watch award season this year just to see him rack him in. I really hope he does. But Mm -hmm. I completely agree. I also think like there's a line to be drawn between are we rehashing Game of Thrones in a way that is reliant upon the whatever, whatever Game of Thrones was that makes us feel good? Or is it a show that stands on its own but calls back to Game of Thrones in ways that make us, as fans of Game of Thrones, feel like, is it reusing it out of a lack of new ideas or is it calling back to it intentionally to make us feel connected to the idea that history repeats itself? For example, I was tickled and delighted by the connection between Robert Baratheon's children being black of head remember when ned is going Mm. through the books and seeing that all baratheons have black hair basically and then noticing that joffrey and tommen and those kids all have blonde hair like their mother and their uncle and then the same thing happening in a much more extreme fashion 200 years earlier with jason luke and joffrey Um, that to me felt good. Like it didn't feel like, oh, we ran out of ideas that felt like, oh, I love this callback. And I'm pausing because Danny hasn't seen Game of Thrones saying like, hey, just for context, like 200 years from now, this will happen and it'll be a big deal as well. They use like hair color and all that stuff to be really picky because they don't have DNA tests or whatever. So I don't know. I enjoy that. But that's neither here nor there, I guess. I thought Viserys over the last two episodes so 
in Driftmark when he is um, fading, obviously, but he is basically reinforcing Rhaenyra. He is having her back in the showdown between Alicent and Rhaenyra when he's calling Alicent Emma. I feel like those are big redemption moments, even though they don't feel like super intentional. They just feel like a continuation of his quote, like weakness. Mm -hmm. And then in this Lord of the Tides episode, you see just how clear all of it, all of his, like what we might've perceived as weakness or fear of not pleasing everyone Mm -hmm. becomes really intentional. Um, And there's still kind of the desire, I think, to please everyone, but in a way that he's sacrificed so much of himself and he's put his, like, he's put as much armor as he can on. He's put as much strength into his feeble body as possible to come out here and make his last plea for what it is that he wants, really his last demand, you know, um, for what it is that he wants and needs out of his family. Will it work? Will it be enough? Probably not, but... It was super powerful. And the moment he's called into the throne room was epic. I mean, just, Mm -hmm. I was like, holy shit. And every other actor in the room, their reaction to it was perfect as well. It was fantastic. And and that's even preceded by, I think, another really effective scene where um, Rhaenyra goes, so, so the just as a refresher, the basic setup of this episode is that the Lord of Driftmark, um, he, uh, Corliss, uh, has been wounded and and looks like he he might die. Although it's, that does that's never confirmed that he's actually dead, so I won't be surprised if he actually survives. But um, and so there's this whole dispute over um, who actually inherits Driftmark because it should go to you know, by, by previous agreement and understanding, it should go to Rhaenyra's second son. But um, because there's this question about uh, legitimacy and, and whether or not they're actually uh, the children of Lenor, which biologically they are not, mm-hmm. um, that basically um, uh, Alicent and her father uh, are using this as basically the, as uh, somebody else says to Rhaenyra, this is kind of them drawing first blood and um, setting the stage for what's going to be a bigger conflict over basically challenging Rhaenyra's succession. And um, so Rhaenyra, you know, they, they all gather at court to, to sort of hash this out. And at this point, Viserys is, is like not, really there i mean his body has like they did this amazing combination of makeup and cgi where you just see his body is like eaten away busted he is yeah mm-hmm. like uh i you know constantly just on milk of the poppy and and so not mentally present either and so the the night before this uh hearing rhaenyra goes to him and and says essentially you know you gave this to me and i thought i wanted it but it is a burden and and it's nearly impossible without your help right like right. by giving this to me you actually divided the nation even more and if you can't yeah. defend me and my sons then it's going to be impo- I won't be able to do it like it's just a fact yeah and and i think that's the most sort of sympathetic and vulnerable that Rainier has been and and you know we don't know exactly how conscious he was then but um clearly uh he was conscious how enough clearly, to take some action you know yeah yeah, yeah and he, he and, heard something and, 
and everything about that just is so is put together so well that like he wears this like mask that I think makes him weird paradoxically seem more vulnerable that half his face is covered in this gold mask um and but also stronger base, in a way too right yeah. like there's something about it that it's, is very uh, like it's very cool it was a great costume armor did the for design for this it was so right. smart like, and again a callback to sons of the that. harpy yeah. right right yeah. um and i mean so he, he basically they everyone assumes that um allison and otto are going to be able to make this decision on their own because viserys is checked out um and and then um, and and even Rhaenyra begins to give this speech, calling the whole thing a farce. And then Viserys shocks everyone by coming to the room. And there's this long scene where he just walks incredibly painfully to the throne. Danny was really edgy during that whole scene because she was like, "He's going to die on his way to the throne. He's going to die on his way. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a long walk. He can't make it up the stairs. Like hurry, hurry, hurry!" Like she was like pretty frantic wow. watching that. Yeah. <laughs> and and he falls multiple times and refuses everyone's help until at the very end. His crown falls off, and Damon comes to him, and and you know gives him his crown, and helps him, and he's like the one person that that Viserys will allow to help him. Which I was reading an interview, and apparently that was that was accidental. Yeah, his crown fell off accidentally, and uh, Matt Smith went to go pick it up, and they just finished the scene out, and that's what they used. Right, they went to the director and said, "You have to use this," and it. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. and he, you know, gives this, you know, suddenly is lucid and, and in a believable way that you feel this, this guy who um, knows that the end is near and he's just sort of like pulling himself together one last time to do this one last important task. And he says, I don't know, understand why we're debating this. Yeah, this is confusing to me. Like, let's just put it, you know, and I think it's important that he calls up Rhaenys. He basically says the only person that could sway this decision is the wife of Lord Corliss in case she has something and my cousin, you know, whom I trust, basically, if she has something she wants to say. Rhaenys had just prior basically spat in Rhaenyra's face saying, I don't care about any offers you make or pleas you make. You took both my children from me, you know, roundaboutedly. And fuck you. And they're about to they're about to smash you in the face. So get ready for it. And I think the moment Rhaenys decides, hey, I'm going to go with this. Viserys is awake. This is what's happening right now. I'm going to lean into Rhaenyra's side, even though 20 minutes ago I wasn't on Rhaenyra's side, shows that she's, I think, a dark horse. I think in season two, we're going to see what happens when a woman who is supposed to be queen and isn't and is thinking like a woman, but playing the political game. It's very Cersei-esque, in my opinion, even though most of the Cersei equivalencies are made with Alicent. I actually think Rhaenys is the one who's thinking 20 steps ahead of everyone and playing the game without the shielding that a man would have, right? Without being Uh. able to whip out a sword and without being able to kind of like bash through things, she has to play it slow and smart and plant seeds. And I think her speech and her change of heart there shows just how smart a political maneuverer she will be. What side she lands on, I still don't know. Mm. How she'll handle it. She's playing for herself. Is what I think. I think she. I I had the opposite kind of takeaway from this because I thought it was her kind of finally say like recognizing we are wronged in the same way, and you're the one that can get us over the finish line. My chance is gone or whatever. But also, no, just I don't kind think like familial. Necess- 
when I say playing for herself, I don't mean she's playing for herself to be queen eventually. I think I mean like she's out for her own gain at any given moment based on the situation and she's going to do what it takes in a smart way to always cover her ass and get the most she can get out of every situation. And while she's like, oh yeah, we were wronged in the same way, Rhaenyra, whatever, I'm going to side with Rhaenyra right now. Tomorrow it might not be. Yeah. And she's going to get away with that too, right? Like she's going to, she's out for her. She doesn't have anything left to be out for, right? I don't think that, I mean, I think that she is, I mean, it's interesting because in, in Driftmark, she has this uh, conversation with Corliss where she basically says, all of this has happened because of your ambition and your desire to have one of your children um, sitting on, or grandchildren on the Iron Throne. And and I let go of that ambition um, right. decades ago, and you're the one who's still chasing it. Um, and and that and that she make also makes this very and like it, to her, it's this big distinction of you've got these grandchildren who are your actually your blood, and these grandchildren who are not your blood. Um, and then it's actually interesting that also because that speech is where that discussion is where a lot of the quotes in the trailer come from that I had been wondering when they were yeah. going to come up. One is so Corliss says history does not remember blood, it remembers names. Yeah. Um, and that he's like, well, as long as they have my name, they're my part of my legacy. And then he also says, what is this brief mortal life if not the pursuit of legacy? Um, great, great line. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so I sort of see it that I think she, it's not that she's only out for herself, but I think she's very much what's going to be best for my family, which yeah. I imagine at this point is her and, the, and particularly the grandchildren who she sees as her own as a real yeah. quote-unquote yeah, grandchildren it's herself it is it's like it's different but it's like an expanded definition of herself right it's like it is with a, a still little bit more freedom thing, to move right like i right. think without corliss i mean we'll see what what happens to corliss but without corliss and without her two actual children like her yeah directs you know son and daughter I just I I think my overarching point is that I think she's really smart because she's been playing this political game as a woman, which I think means you have to be 10 times smarter and more careful and thoughtful. And I think maybe it's not ambition for selfishness sake, but she's here to play, I think, is the Mm. point. And she's going to be a cog that is like a difficult one because she's not going to be as obvious as to what's going on. And I definitely think she, she doesn't care, really. I mean not in any meaningful way about what happens to Rhaenyra. Like if, as soon as like Rhaenyra is not useful to her, she would definitely be like later. hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I got to leave, but my final thought on these is just, I like the, I think these, these shitty kids are going to have a lot of fun later on uh, <laughs> in the next couple episodes, given how much they're building it up. And the cool, cool scar. I, I patch kid is talk uh, about that. that's Damon. great it's really good terrible Love casting him. though like Aegon what a glow up what a glow up Aegon <laughs> and Aemond Aegon is the problem Aemond was perfectly cast he looks like yeah. a mini Walmart version of Damon with yeah, his eye yeah. patch or whatever um Aegon looks 12 and yeah, yeah he, he's supposed to be the older son right he's supposed to be the older one and I, yeah. that was a, a flawed casting choice i believe we'll get over they, they it had because him. we won't remember the other one but like still when they had uh 
patchy and like when he came i was like who patchy. is this who's this guy and uh, for the longest time i was just like i don't even know who this guy is and then finally i remembered like oh right he lost his eye who's <laughs> <laughs> the only character you've seen lose an eye it's not just casting either it's like i think in general the way they approach aging is just all over the place all over the place matt yes. smith looks basically exactly the same, the same as he the did his brother has years become later. he's 16 years later or whatever yeah. Yeah. his brother has not only just like um fallen apart physically but like actually also like even if you were like oh if i made him whole and got rid of all his wounds and stuff he still looks he still looks like he's older. aged yeah he yeah. like looks like he's aged 40 years yeah um, whereas matt smith looks like he's aged one year maybe yeah, yeah no he's getting more vital um yeah. Also, I, the other last thought I had was like they kept feeding him stuff, and I was like, "But he has the big hole in the side of his face." Or oh yeah, he how is he swallowing? Oh, wow. <laughs> Good thought. I didn't think that once. Oh, yeah. I thought it a lot. Anyways, here's <laughs> the bandage. That talk to you later. Have fun Bye. with the dentist. Thanks. Yeah, that's where I'm going. Just just like that. Yeah, Same. maybe they'll put oh a hole God, in your you cheek. I hope you still have a cheek. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cover your eyes. <laughs> um. So, more Viserys goodness, though. I think, right? Like, yeah. The the dinner scene, right? I think that's where we have to go next. Yeah, exactly. I think so. He then said, because even before uh, showing up in court, he says, "I want dinner." And then, I mean, Otto is so like dismissive and so used to him being out of it. He's like, no, that's yeah, you'll have dinner tonight. <laughs> and he says, no, no, no. Tonight, my whole family is in the castle, is, is in one place for the first time. We should have dinner together. And even that is sort of heartbreaking because you also like there's been this whole other time jump of six years, which I was not expecting. And that he, it sounds like either he hasn't seen Rhaenyra at all or maybe once or twice. But I don't think he's seen her at all. Yeah, and um, that, you know, there's just this deep sadness there of both knowing that that things are bad and also just the lack of um, this, like the simple physical fact of being like, of being apart from from your daughter. Um, so they, this dinner happens and it's very tense. Um, and then he comes in and I mean, he, at this point, you know, I think a lot of his physical strength is gone. He's like carried in. But he still then takes his mask off and says, you know, seeing you all is really wonderful. Bittersweet, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And and he says, I, and I'm taking this off because I want you to see me not as a king, but as a man. And, and as like, I want you to make peace, not because I'm telling you to as your king, but because just to just to like you know spare this old man's feelings and and he delivers it so well like a man who loves you all so dearly you know like uh, the line rings in your head a little bit because he's just he's forceful but almost also to the point of tears and just tr working so hard to get this message out and he really means it as a human as a meat human as daryl would say right with feelings more so than this is for the crown, this is for the realm, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I'm about to die and I need you guys to find it in your hearts to love one another, you know, because I love you. I love all of you. Yeah. And and it seems, you know, obviously on some level, they're maybe performing a little bit just to make him happy, but there's a sense that there's also real connection. I mean, there's still definitely tension, particularly between the kids 
And, you know, we were talking, you were talking about like uh, Rhaenyra's sons being generally kind of heroic. They're still a little bit dickish in that moment where they're, they're like- a little dickish. Here's, here's my take on it. I think Rhaenyra and Alicent loved each other. And if you right. rewatch episodes one and two, basically you see just how deeply they loved each other. And if it hadn't been for what the patriarchy threw at them, they may still be just as close today, but that's not how it happened. And Alicent sees herself as this person who has followed every rule, done everything she was supposed to do, and Rhaenyra as this person who has basically broken every rule and still wins. And I don't know about you, but, you know, I am the kind of person who has to follow every rule to win, and it Mm -hmm. bugs the shit out of me when people can cut in line and win or cheat and win because I would always get caught. And so I get Alicent's feelings, but they have a bond that, it might have been 10% performative, but I really bought Rhaenyra's toast and I bought Alicent's reaction where the kids don't have that. They were small when the rift right. happened. And even before the rift, they had some beef, particularly Aegon, Luke, and Jace versus Amon. So right. they don't care. They don't, you know, they barely know Viserys or care about his feelings. They don't remember him from when he was young and fresh, right? So all of this means less to them. However, I think the important thing, yeah, Jace and Luke might be a little bit dickish, but like it's very clear that Rhaenyra, the rule breaker's children, believe in honor and nobility and doing the right thing to some extent. And Alicent, the rule followers' mm-hmm. children, are heathens. Like, could not give a fuck about anything or anybody. I mean, one son's a rapist. The other one is willing to just, like, right. fuck with people for fun. And poor Elena is, like, just hanging on, you know? <laughs> so Right. Yeah, it's sort of there. Um, I know this is a little bit of a, of a detour, but in terms of Rhaenyra being a rule breaker, which I think is true in a lot of ways, one of the things that kind of becomes clear in Driftmark which I will admit I had predicted they were not going to address again, is the idea of um, that in, in a lot of, that in some ways she's a rule breaker, but actually in the big things that she is now, that are like sort of threatening her taking the throne, um, it's not really, like, like basically that she married Lenor, who was a gay man. And, you know, they she does say they tried to have kids together. It's not like she was just like, well, I don't really give a shit. Like I'm right. They uh, made it's an that effort. They tried, and it's not totally clear if just they. I couldn't think they even... both said like there was no pleasure in it. I don't. I think he probably did. I mean, maybe I'm getting too graphic here, but I think he probably could finish or whatever. But like you know, scientifically they say like enjoying it makes a big difference particularly for the woman and if the guy's not enjoying it the girl's not enjoying it if they don't really have romantic feelings for each other it's much less likely to take or there could be something with Lene's, Lenore's sperm who knows yeah exactly I think it's it's it, it's treated in this way where it's sort of a little bit mysterious exactly what the cause was but for whatever reason they could not conceive and I mean clearly they were not like into like the idea of trying a bunch of times. Um, right. They tried enough. Right. You know, you could argue that it was reckless of her to then have children with somebody else, but you could also argue that if she had no children, that would that also would be, be a issue huge threat as well. Yeah. And, and so you could argue that she was basically doing her best with the hand that she was dealt because it, it's not that she chose Lena or his husband. That was um, someone else's Viserys. choice. Yeah. 
saying, no, this is how it's going to be. I'm done letting you kind of mess around. So in a way, she, this is like a trap that, that Viserys unwittingly kind of set for her. Yeah, totally. But, you know, I think obviously she got to, she solved that problem when it threatened her. And in a way that wasn't completely heartless, right? Lenore gets to go off and be gay with Carl with a Q. Right. And now she has very silver-haired, very Targaryen babies, which she smartly named not only Aegon, so that Viserys has another Aegon grandchild, but Viserys, the second of his name, um, yeah. nod to daddy. So, and she's got another one on the way. So there's a whole little army of blacks ready to yeah. go to battle. Parenthetically, I would also say that I'm having a much harder time with the names on this show than I did on Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. I could name almost every character in Game of Thrones, but not not on this one. Yeah, I think it's I think it's partially um purposeful, right? Like I think one they they decided to be really strict with sticking to uh Targaryen and Valyrian like themed names yeah. so like the aes and the isses and the us right like a boy ends with this right. and a girl ends with a or on and on yeah and um i think there's also meant to be something purposeful about how close the names are i, th- I think they're just like i don't give a shit whether or not you get it or not yeah. um but yeah it's tough <laughs> it's definitely tough <laughs> i'm just holding on I'm okay with it, but it it is a little bit of a challenge, particularly when you're trying to describe what happens to different characters. And there's just, I'm just like, what? There's like one letter different. Yeah. Like Renice and Rhaenyra were having a conversation (laughs) about Bela and and Baylor, who wasn't born. And then Aegon and Aegon were chilling. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, But anyway, I think before we go, we should talk about then the final scene, um, which is uh, Viserys uh, being put to bed. And, and of course, you know, this whole time you're thinking, wow, like this actually has gone really well. Well, obviously if they just made it peace, fell apart no show. after he uh, left though too, right? Like Luke right. kind of laughed at right. Amond and about the pig and right. Amon. I, I loved the scene where Damon calmly separates the children, tells them to go to bed and just gives a look to Amond. Like yeah. you've seen what I do to people who talk shit on my family right and they and amon just fully backs down he's like okay bye (laughs) i don't want to fuck with you he's clearly like a (laughs) daemon fanboy right yeah um but then uh viserys is sort of delirious uh and um basically confuses allison and rhaenyra and rhaenyra had earlier asked him do you you know you told me about this prophecy the song of ice and fire do you really believe it's true and then he in this sort of jumbled way is telling Allison, yes, I believe it's true. I believe that Amon has to sit on the throne. Obviously in this Aegon. case, it's sort of Aegon. Fuck. Aegon. Like, but again, the fact that there are sort of similar names and everything is, is actually in this case kind of intentional because that's part of the confusion. Well, he's saying Aegon the Conqueror had this vision, but she hears Aegon is my son who is the prince that was promised, which is not what he's trying to say. And then he says, the prince who is promised is you, meaning to say to Rhaenyra, you're the one who is going to unite the realm. 
But Alicent hears that as I am the one who's going to put Aegon on the throne to unite the realm. And she doesn't, to be fair, she doesn't know the Song of Fire and Ice. So she doesn't know. She's just feeling like she's hearing her husband's last words. And when you want to hear something and you hear little bits and pieces of something that you want to hear, you're like, that's what I heard. So, you know, I don't see it as purely evil, but it definitely sets the stage for some confusion. Yeah. And I think I, I know there. I saw some like debate about, you know, how what exactly this scene is sort of conveying on, on Twitter. Maybe some of that we'll we'll kind of get into in the next episode. But to me, it's not like, oh, there would have been peace if only he hadn't said this on his deathbed. But it's a way of saying that the the peace that he established was so tenuous and paper thin. And so in this moment, that's the thing that um, Allison is going to seize on because all these divisions that, that he tried to, to heal, they're still there. And, and that, you know, the instant he kind of gives her something to grasp onto, um, to, to that all those wounds reopen. Yeah. And so Danny has a theory that at the very, the final words he says of that scene are my love. Mm-hmm. And Danny has a theory that he at least partially knew it was Alicent because my love is what he would say to Alicent. I don't really buy into that. I think he's just losing it and just saying whatever comes out of his mouth. Right. And like my love could also be for Rhaenyra. It could also just be like I lived for my love. Like my love is what was the driver of my life, not anything else. But um, yeah. It, yeah, it definitely sows some confusion and you're right. I think it gives Allison something to justify wanting to go back to division rather than unity. Yeah. And we're in store for something wild because the previews for the next episode look. Intense. Oh, I haven't seen the previews yet. It looks like, I mean, so my take on it, which is always wrong because Game of Thrones is great at sending you on the wrong yeah. path with the previews, but it looks like Rhaenyra gets locked in a room while they're trying to certify Aegon oh as king or someone, you know, like the blacks are somewhat tied up or locked out of a certification process that to put Aegon in power and there's dragons and there's soldiers in the street and, you know, who knows? Oh, well, uh, we will we will talk about that. Um, and many other things in the weeks to come. Um, again, just especially Lord of the Tides, amazing episode, amazing performance, and um, I'm I'm very excited to see where it goes next. Me too. If you have thoughts that you want to share about the two latest episodes of House of the Dragon, you can shoot us an email, originalcontentpod at gmail.com. That's originalcontentpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at original content and of course we always appreciate it when you subscribe and leave us a positive review in apple podcasts or the podcast app of your choice jordan i'll talk to you soon later